is not just about trying to, to sell product. It's about maximizing that and keeping that fan engaged and, and truly growing their audience, right? Not just trying to cash grab. All right, Federico, what is happening this week? Antonio, this week we are chatting with Kevin Ramsey from a company called Warren James, and they focus on merch, especially merch for big creators. But we are going to chat about merch for all creators, the pros, the cons, and how to get into it. Speaking of getting into it, let's get into it. Let's get into it. All right, welcome back to Creator Generation. This week we are joined by Kevin Ramsey. He is the CEO and co-founder of Warren James. G'day, Kevin. Hey, excited to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, I, I introduced you with a, a, your name and your title, but what does that actually mean? Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, I um, co-founded Warren James. We're you know a premium merchandise company. We work with the top you know, 0.01% of creators out there that have millions of unique uh, viewers every day. And we run their direct-to-consumer businesses from start to finish. We do everything from design the product, manufacturing it, purchasing it, running the website, customer support, fulfillment, so that at the end of the day, creators just need to approve the designs, approve the product, and then market it, and we do the rest. Super. Awesome. And you, you did mention you're sort of like talking the, the top percent of creators here so that sort of gives you an idea so what like let's maybe name drop a few of those creators let's give, give us a flex totally on some of those creators you're working working with on this space in terms of scale like Afmau is definitely up there the biggest gaming channel in the world right now getting roughly half a billion views per month crew district the channels that's funny been getting 200 300 million views per month for for quite a while creating roblox and minecraft content Outside of kind of the gaming space, Tucker Budson, one of the biggest dog influencers out there, a golden retriever. You know. I love Tucker. I actually went down a big rabbit hole with the content right there. It's, it's like stellar content. No joke. They make really funny content. They're, they're massive on you know, all the platforms. YouTube, they do shorts, they have TikTok, massive on Facebook, Instagram. Um, and then we also operate within the TikTok space. We operate... Um, in the Twitch space, we got some some pretty massive Twitch creators coming on in the near future. So um, we try to we, we run the gambit in terms of like types of creators. We're pretty agnostic when it comes to who their audience is and what platform they're on. It's more about is their engaged audience size big enough to, to warrant a truly premium program. Cool. And who's Warren? It's a good question. Warren <laughs> is Ben's middle name, and James is my middle name. Ah, uh, of yeah. course. Before we go more into the, the merge side of things, like what's, what's a bit of your backstory? How did you come to be here? I, I've been in the creator space for really a decade now. I, I got my start in like 20, 2010, 2011, when I founded a, a Minecraft server network called Hunger Games. It was the first Hunger Games in Minecraft. And that just kind of, that got me in. They, I, we were working with creators to drive traffic towards the game. We ended up peaking at a couple million uniques per month. And then ended up selling that and then started an esports company, which continued to have me working with creators. We had like a content team and it just tends, you know, professional gamers tend to also blend into creators and then sold that, started working for Jazzwares, the, the massive toy manufacturer. They, they brought me on to kind of be the, the leader within the gaming segment because they saw gaming as like a bigger vertical when it comes to retail, um, retail toys. And they were managing Minecraft at retail at the time. 
Sonic the Hedgehog, Plants vs. Zombies. So I kind of came on to, to spearhead that. And we at the time, we came up with the idea of, of taking the top gaming creators on YouTube and putting them underneath a unified toy line banner called Tube Heroes. This is like 2015-ish. We At the time, we went out and signed like the Diamond Minecart, Stampy Longnose, Captain Sparkle, Skies Minecraft, all of the people that were massive in the space at the time made a unified action figure line around them, put it in retail, Target, Toys R Us, Walmart, ended up doing incredibly well for about a year and a half, two years. And this kept me like extremely focused on the creator space because I needed to be out there signing the up and coming creators, making sure that we had our ear to the ground. And through this, I started to notice there was a, a new game that was bubbling up. In particular, I saw it through um, Dan TDM, the Diamond Minecart, and that, that game was Roblox. And these creators that were usually making like Minecraft content would start dabbling in Roblox content, and their engagement and their viewership was just was crazy. Whenever they drop videos around it, like it, it really allowed them to take that creativity. You know, maybe it was getting stale for them in Minecraft at the time, and bring that towards a new game that had a lot of customization, and. Through identifying that, we kind of realized we need to go out and, and sign Roblox for retail. Went out, did that, and then it was it quit. Once we did the deal, it quickly became clear that this was going to be massive, and we needed to get it out into market as soon as possible. So, I then moved to China, lived in Shenzhen to oversee product development for it. Ended up seeing around two two lines at retail, two action figure lines, and then. Roblox actually asked me to switch sides of the table and manage their merchandise business in-house. So I kind of, then I moved to San Francisco from South Florida, ended up kind of funny, ended up managing Jazzwares from the licensor side rather than the licensee side. Also managed their apparel and their publishing at retail. Um, and then, you know, through all this, I had been very dialed in with the creator space and helping creators with their merch businesses. And it, Prior to like 2015, 2016, it was, it was very, it was really basic. It was like, you know, primarily did it for marketing purposes. At around 2016, there was really kind of a moment there that YouTube seemed to go through a breakout period where it was cooler to wear YouTuber product and no longer was, you know, embarrassing to wear it to school. And then also I think there was a bit of a conversion change with like parents being comfortable buying product direct to consumer, buying product from a random YouTuber's website and it really started to snowball and I was working with Afmau, funny enough, they're like kind of our, our original partner, um, still, you know, our biggest partner to date. Um, and it just felt like there was a, there was something happening and I had to, I had to take a jump and go full time or I, or I felt like I'd be looking back, missing what I thought was going to be a massive, massive industry. So, uh, both Ben and I decided to take the jump and we, we moved down to Los Angeles to be like in the heart of entertainment, in the heart of domestic manufacturing. And that, that was kind of the start of Warren James. Wow. So you have a little bit of experience. <laughs> in the merch, is what it's like, yeah, come at me with that sort of experience, right? Like that is just the, the, the perfect background for create a merch, right? And create a product. Um, it's baller. It's super cool. And it, it ties really well into like what we do in this space because we take an approach of, you know, how do these massive retail companies manage their merch programs, right? Like how, how does Star Wars go about the program? How does Minecraft go about their program in terms of 
it's not just about making as much money today as possible. It's about the longevity of the brand. You look at San Rio, Hello Kitty, who's been around for 50 plus years, right? So like, that's the approach we take with our partners because their businesses are large enough that it's all about longevity. It's all about getting that customer base to come back every time, every time you come out with new products. So we always kind of take that, we blend traditional strategies with this new era of direct consumer creator merch. It's awesome. And just, and like looking at the creator merch landscape, it's still, it still feels like it's relatively early days in becoming more uh, unique or more sophisticated around the product, but also in how you manage it. And it, it still feels like it's slap a logo on a t-shirt hoodie or a cap. Um, like why, like why is that? Like why, and what's that a, like, is that a good approach for uh, early creators or? Yeah, it's a good question. It's, it's, it's definitely the easier route. And I think that's why people tend to go down it. You know, it's, you probably have a logo already generated for your YouTube channel, right? So it's like, okay, if I want to just get something up, just throw that on a hoodie and I'm good to go. That, I, I think those days are definitely starting to be behind us for the most part. Even small creators at this point are realizing you can, you know, at the end of the day, like how many graphic t-shirts can you actually have in your closet before you have too many, you know? So when it, when it comes to coming up with product that your audience truly wants, sure. You check that box, you know, you, you try to take a, a good spin on the basics, but if you want that same fan who truly wants to support you and wants to buy more, if you want them to come back, you, you most likely need to come out with other categories, right? Like they're not going to buy your 12th t-shirt design most likely, but if you come out with a mouse pad or you come out with a gaming chair, you come out with plush, right? Like it allows that same customer to take part in multiple experiences. And then also on the flip side, right? Like not everyone wants a plush. Not everyone wants a t-shirt, right? They're looking for something potentially specific, right? So you're, you're making sure you, you really need to, to dig in and understand what your audience wants. Um, so I think those days are, for the most part, starting to be behind us. I, I guess it still must work, right? Like it still generates good value for a creator. Um, otherwise, why would anyone be doing other, like beyond the ease side of things, right? Um, but yeah, it's super interesting. Um, and then I guess you add in the, the other sort of tried and true things like phone cases and socks, right? Like, so is that, is that an extension of tick, ticking the box of it's easy? That's these more self-service offerings that exist in the creator space that make it easy for you to slap a logo on something. Um, is that something that like creators should, should, should do? Like they should still do it even though it is simple um, and common? Is it worth it? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, so I'm definitely, I'm not saying don't go down the route of doing t-shirts, you know, at, at the end of the day, that's the most purchased garment, you know, out there it's everyone has to have t-shirts. So it's good to make sure you still cover that. And it's the easiest in terms of marketing too, right? Like it's a, the biggest area in terms of like billboard uh, that someone could be walking around on with, you know? Um, so it's good to, to check those boxes. And like you said, phone cases, like, there are some people out there that rock no phone, no phone cases on their phones, but you know, mo most people want to cover their phone and like, if they're going to buy, be buying that accessory anyways, like might, what might as well let them put their favorite YouTubers branding on that. Right. Um, so it's, it's good to cover all, all the bases with that, but, um, 
it is starting to change in regards to the fans, you know, what they're looking for and what they're expecting, you know, like they're, they've seen so much of, you know, the standards that they're, they're, they're hoping that something more unique is going to come out and they want to take part in that. Um, but especially when you're a smaller creator too, um, it's, it's good to cover the, the basics and then think about some hero categories to go after as well. It's funny because um, the, the quality of, of merch is getting like, you know, to the extent where it's some of the merch is better than the quality of other clothes I buy from other brands. I got a hat the other day <laughs> and it was um, it's stretch mesh. I didn't even know what that was like. And I put it on and it was the most comfortable cap I've ever, I was just absolutely blown away by this. And I actually had to email the creator and ask him like, how did you do this? Like, and he explained the whole process to me, you know, of how they selected the, the material and they got custom badges and custom labels. And it was just such a, it just made the purchase so much more valuable, especially because you already like the creator. You already love what they do. It just makes the whole experience so much more rounded, right? Totally. Who was who the creator? Yeah, it was called SoCal Flying Monkey. He has a little uh, aviation channel. Um, and it's a pretty it's a small channel, sub 100,000, but you just spend a lot of time thinking really carefully about the merch. And I just absolutely adore this hat. I was just like, it was insane. It was just such a good hat. That's a perfect example. I mean, you know, you're saying, you know, relatively small audience size, but, you know, your experience sounds like it was phenomenal. So, right. So, like, if he comes out with another item, the likelihood that you're going to come back is so much higher. Mm-hmm. Than if you had gotten something that was kind of a trash to your quality, right? Like now you, you, ha- his brand is synonymous with this, this quality standard, right? Um, and it potentially has a returning customer, right? And that's, especially when you're a small creator and a big creator, right? Like returning customers, that's, that's, that's your true audience, you know? Hey, let me just talk about that for a second in terms of the small creators versus big creators. Some, Creators think that you have to be of a certain size before you get into the merch game, but is there really a, a size you need to be before you can get in there and creating value? There, there's a couple caveats that go along with that. You know, when you when you get into like extremely custom product development that require minimums, so you have to purchase inventory, there might be a create a size that's too small to be able to hit those minimums, right? Like if you're going after a hat or you're going after a t-shirt, right? Like just for conversation, you have to produce a hundred of them. If you're at a size that you won't be able to move through that in the time frame that makes you comfortable in terms of the investment, right? Like there's always the print on demand route, but at the end of the day, you know, those caveats aside, I think every creator should be doing some type of merge activate activation because your fan base doesn't, it doesn't really care how big you are, right? Like the fan base doesn't truly know how big the fan base is. They just know, I'm in this and I'm, you know, I'm a fan of this and they're not going to get the, the, the business logic behind like, Oh, I'm just going to wait until I'm bigger to come out with merchandise. They're like, they want it now, mm-hmm. you know? So like, mm-hmm. and those are the fans, the early adopters that you need to really cherish and, and really take care of because they're the ones that are going to go tell their friends about it and help you grow your audience. So, um, it's, you know, and it, plus it, you know, it makes money when you're a small creator, like those revenue streams are super important. And then it's it's the best marketing out there. They're depending on what your demographic age is, but like, you know, eleven year old boy wearing the t shirt into the lunchroom, right? Like you're reaching your much wider potential audience there. So there there's a there's a bunch of value in it. Um the de- decision just kind of comes down to can I justify the custom route or should I start with something that's a little bit more on demand? Yeah. Hey Fred, when when you're talking to um 
SoCal Flying Monkey about that that cap. What did he justify why he went the custom route for like with that, or he didn't get into that nitty gritty? Yeah, well, he said I think um, from what I what I recall, it was like you know he tried some other stuff, and just the quality just seemed like you know plasticky, not that great, and. You know, if someone is a big fan of the channel and they want to connect in a special way, it's not like going out and buying a shirt, which is like utility-based. It's a it's, You're going out to buy or you're buying it because you like the credits reflection of it. You don't need a shirt. You just want the shirt, right, because it uh, is synonymous with the credits. So he feels if his brand is about quality and he really wants to change up that aviation space, I guess that should reflect in the, in the product. Um, and, you know, he spent a lot of time, I guess, also designing this particular hat and, you know, sourcing the from a – from a proper supply, all those all those bits and pieces, and um, yeah, and it it did, let, really paid off, like all the way from the labels to the the feel, and yeah, I didn't even like I said, I didn't even know stretch mesh was a like a thing for a hat, and I can't believe how how comfortable it was, but yeah, he just wanted better quality, just something more synonymous with the quality he has for his brand. I like that. That's a cool example. Those types of channels, you know, it's a it's a pretty specific niche in terms of the audience. Those are the ones that tend to have like unbelievable engagement. And mm. when you're trying to build your brand and like he had said, it needs it to be synonymous with high quality. There, there might be a realm of like, you know what, in that case, I don't want to do the on demand route because it, it doesn't align with the quality standards that I'm trying to set my brand to. Um, you know, and the, the good thing, like with a super engaged audience, like a hundred hats, we'll probably move through that. And a reasonable amount of time, right? Like you can gift it to people and give it to friends and family. You know, if you, especially if you really hyper focus your merch program, when you're starting out and you, if you don't know how it's going to go, come out with an item or two and then just really dial in the marketing on those two and make sure you sell through on those two. But instead of going the route of like, a lot of times you'll see merch stores where it's like 15, 20 items. It's like you're, you're, you have like 10 different colored aprons and you're not a, cooking creator for some reason so like avoiding the consumer paralysis and just like hyper focusing on these things that really hit the quality standards of your brand yeah you do every now and then go look at a creative merch store and it's it's you know one of those uh, print on demand type services and they've just ticked every single one and it's just kind of it's kind of funny and, and sad but you um it's interesting as well you say oh well this is all the catalog and they've they've slapped their logo on every single one um yeah it's it's kind of funny <laughs> um so like i in talking about that um i guess product market fit and like how do like how does a creator figure out or how do you guys figure out what's going to be valuable to to you know in, in a merch line for a creator's audience like how do you figure that out beyond the the utility people we need to wear clothes and beyond that yeah how do you how do you figure out what what should be made for a creator there there's a ton that that really goes into that the you know the first thing you got to do is really identify who the demographic is that's watching the content and that that times by itself can be extremely challenging especially in a world of covid where fan meetups aren't happening it's like you know you're not technically supposed to be on youtube under 13 years old right so if they are they're probably saying they're like a seven-year-old right or they're on their parents account or whatever their brother's account right so it's like the a lot of times the data it's giving you is not, you, you should not follow that. And it, even when it comes to male versus female, right? Like a lot, it's just kind of all over the place. So the first thing is like truly identifying who it is that's watching this content. 
and then you know the benefit at least of who who we work with right because they're they're the sizes of their audience we know we can go down the route of of hitting the minimums of extremely custom categories so the approach we'll take is building out line plans and incorporating the tried and true retail elements so you know looking at retail for example using you know a young teen gaming channel bedding plush toys sleepwear you know jewelry if it's female like there, there, there are these categories that are you know multi-billion dollars a year at retail that have proven themselves to be the items that that audience wants to purchase so we'll use those data points and then a put a unique kind of creator direct to consumer spin on it, you know, taking into consideration shipping costs. So, you know, a gaming chair becomes a little more complicated because of that. Um, so we'll, we'll fine tune these collections to, to make a ton of sense. And then um, for us, the big element is, you know, growing their business on the direct to consumer side. So we're very focused on the average cart size, uh, what the conversion rate is, the bounce rate, um, the returning customer rates. That, that's kind of where we really specialize is, is not just about trying to, to sell product to their audience. It's about maximizing that and keeping that fan engaged and, and like truly growing their, their audience, right? Not just trying to cash grab. So um, there's a lot that goes into that. The creator as well will typically be, in, be involved, um, some more so, some less so, but no one knows their brand obviously better than the creator. So we, we try to make sure that they're they're stoked. We find when they're like extremely excited about it, it just it's more likely to be successful. They they know the the fans are gonna want it. They're like the fans know when they talk about it that they're like they're really into it and they're not just they're not just kind of pushing something, right? Um, so there, there, there's a, there's a lot that goes goes into it. That, that's a couple a couple of the key pieces. Yeah, Kevin, you mentioned like a couple of things in that around what you guys are looking at, but you may or may not be able to answer this, but what, like, how much merch are some of these creators selling? Like, and what, you know, maybe you can extrapolate that for other other creators. Obviously, the bigger you are and the greater influence you have, you probably have a, a good way of selling stuff. But what what's a, what's a good amount of merch that a creator could be shifting? Yeah, so... I- <laughs> Not able to say like specifically about any of the creators we work with, but big creators, you know, truly engaged audience definitely can be doing over a million a year in direct consumer sales and like can be way above that. There, there's ones that go north of five, there's ones that go north of 10 million, and then there's ones that go north of 50 million. The 50 million and the 10 million are, are very specific um, in terms of why they're able to do that. but. You know, north of a million is is super achievable for big creators. I think it was late last year. Logan Paul reckoned that in the first twelve months, Maverick, his merch company, I guess, cleared thirty to forty mil. Do you reckon that's true? Totally. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised about that. I mean, I I, I saw um, something relatively recently that came out that was projecting. Full Send Elk Boys line doing north of seventy million a year in sales. They're they're at the top for sure. They're they're there's not too many out there that are doing those types of numbers. They've they've really hit a groove in terms of selling out massive audience, expanding to other categories. 
frequent drops. So they're they're really maximizing that. But um, it's an example of like, and they're in terms of like actual audience size, there's still potential room to grow, right? Like if you look at their monthlies. Um, so I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some creators that get past 100 in the next five years. So can I ask, when it comes to those kind of numbers, right, it's almost as if can the merch line basically outlive the creator? Does it get to the point where the, that there's a separate brand synonymous with the merch that can live completely by itself? Yeah, a, a strong example is with still using um, Milk Boys as Happy Dad. You know, they, they expanded into the, the seltzer, hard seltzer category and they built a new brand around it. Their clothing line in itself is called Full Sand. It's not Nelk or Steve will do it. Um, so that is a, that's typically the approach we'll take. So looking at crew district, for example, the channels, it's funny, the group is crew. So we're, we're building something that is separate, but connected to the channel. And generally that's the route you want to go because, you know, it allows you, it allows to, it really opens up the door, right? Like in theory, a creator could sell that company. A creator can raise venture capital for that company that a creator can bring on. Like if you look at Cloak, they re, I believe it was like six months ago, they brought on Pokimane as an owner of the clothing line. So there, there's a lot you can do when it's when it's not itsfunnymerch.com. You know, it, it opens up the doors. And then it also, the expectation from fans start to change. You know, once you do that, it's like, okay, you're no longer logo slapping. Like you're doing something else here. I can have a full outfit that's all your brand, right? And like it, it really starts to connect that all those different pieces between fan, creator, or brand. Yeah, that's super cool. And then just to like looking at some of these, you know, epic creator product brands, and that might not be the best term, but we'll go with it. Like, how does that compare to like another apparel? like a, a incumbent apparel company, are they knocking on the doors? Like, like I mean, obviously Nike and Adidas, et cetera, are, are huge uh, behemoths, but, you know, should should something like Supreme be, be worried? I mean, they're a behemoth too. But is, you know, how does this compare to the incumbent apparel companies? That's an interesting question. There, there are certainly apparel companies out there that are doing less than creators are a year in revenue. It depends if they're in retail. Like if, if we're talking just direct to consumer, um, definitely when you're looking at retail, there are some, it really kind of blows up from there. Like if you have packs on placement or if you have Kohl's placement, right? Like you, you, it really kind of blows up from there. But on the direct to consumer side, you look at brands like, um, you know, Bobby hundreds, um, clothing line. Like, I don't know what their numbers are, but you know, they're, they're the, especially on the streetwear side where they're keeping their selections pretty limited. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the numbers aren't astronomical, you know? Um, the big difference there is they've, they've made that transition of being tied to a creator's marketing efforts to be able to move those units to being a little more standalone, probably still really tied to digital ads and whatnot, but they've kind of, they've kind of separated themselves from, a kind of one sole marketing source. So that's the step that creators need to take of, you know, growth hacking based off their audience and then establishing itself and establishing its own, its own niche and its own vertical by doubling down with digital ads and in 
potentially going into retail or doing pop-up shops, right? Like just continuing to push it along to be its own thing instead of being tied to them. So I guess the question is, I mean, and this might be oversimplifying, you know, the fashion industry, there are, there is a fashion element to it too. There's a technology element, you know, and there are brands that focus on that, but a lot of brands, a lot of labels, like it's just purely focus on the brand itself. Right. So with these creators coming in with these extremely strong brands with extremely engaged audiences, the, there must be a lot of traditional, you know, fashion brands or fashion labels that would be pretty worried. Yeah, I'm sure they probably are in terms of some of these, you know, to keep using Nelk, right? Like Happy Dad, that's disrupting that category for sure. Like they're, I'm, they're either hoping they can acquire them to, to fix the problem or, you know, I, I, I highly doubt with over six, it'll take more than six months for a competitor to come out with like a canned uh, version of it. Right. Like they're, they're going to do what they can to try to compete with it. Um, so I, certainly there, there are categories though, like apparel is like, is really big. It's like, it, I, I don't know how much they're truly worried that like a, a breakout creator brand will disrupt their market share just because the market is so big. But I, I think as you get into some of these other categories, like, you know, Chamberlain coffee and some other, the, these other more unique categories where maybe it will have a, a percentage change on market share for certain players that they, they they're, they're keeping an eye. No, no question. <laughs> That's diplomatic of saying they're keeping an eye, not as worried as they should be. Maybe, um, watch this space. Oh, we talked about a lot of, I mean, interesting elements there in terms of, you know, how far a creator can go and the value they create. But like, if you were a creator and you really did want to bring in a line of merch, like where should you start? Like, what should be the first thing you think about? One of the first things we'll, we'll typically recommend is try to poll your audience figure out what they're, what they're actually wanting. You do have to take a little bit of the grain of salt because they don't get, they don't necessarily see the full picture of it, but it, it is helpful to get that feedback day one to help drive your decision-making. The you know other element is you gotta decide, is this something I want to handle myself? Do I wanna run this operation or do I want to continue to focus on my content primarily and find an operator for this. Once you kind of make that decision, they usually the, the answer there is find an operator just because, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of work to run a, a really big merch business and the, and the difference between like an operator and how much they can really grow the business versus how much you might be on, on the side, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty big, um, pretty big difference. And then from there, start really kind of seeding what it's going to be to the audience. So like the marketing of it pre-launch is super important. So like starting to build that brand name, starting to tease the idea of like what it is I might be coming out with it. We have a, a launch coming up pretty soon. Um, actually this Friday for um, Daco. He's a um, kind of horror Five Nights at Freddy subgenre creator. And we're coming out with a, we built a new brand called Hex that has, um, it's like primarily a plush line that has magnets to detach the arms and detach the head. So it's, it's really customizable across the line. And uh, we're working on potentially a Five Nights at Freddy collab there, looking at potentially retail down the road and animation. Um, so it's like really thinking through what this is gonna be over the long term and build out that roadmap. Um, 
and then yeah also like how how big is this going to be for you and your brand like is this going to be a massive endeavor or is this going to be kind of a just a little bit of a revenue stream for you like uh, making those decisions early on will make the difference between it being a success or it being something that you forget about in a couple months yeah really good advice hey i'm switching gears slightly kevin what's what's one of the, the most your your most favorite merch items that you've been involved with which one's your favorite child <laughs> it's, it's a tough one to choose yeah that's a t- that's a tough one to to answer um you know we we came out with a line for crew about a month ago called crew fam that was a really fun one to work on we it has like a really unique Farsi jacket. It's got jewelry in it. It's got plush. It's got stationery, a lockbox. Um, and the it's interesting. So there, there's the the types of items that I found really fun, or the team found really fun to work on, like pushing the boundaries. And then there's the items that like the the audience really loves, right? And we get that feedback. So um, there, there's kind of two ways to answer that. The crew fam one, it kind of bridged both. Like if you look on social media, like they went crazy for it. There, there's there's so many people on, on Twitter and Instagram showing their fits because there's a lot of different ways you can customize it. Um, so the crew fam is, is for sure um, one of the favorites. Jewelry is always a really unique project just because it's, it's pretty intricate. There's a lot of ways you can go with it. You've got uh, precious metals. You have, you know, the cheaper route. So kind of tackling that. Um, we've got a really cool high-end precious metal jewelry line, jewelry line in the work right now. Um, should be on the next couple of months. And then we also have a line right now um, for a Twitch creator that is union-made. So um, we found a union facility in the States, and it's there's not a lot of them out there. Um, and we're doing tie-dye union-made. So that, that'll be a pretty cool one when that comes out. Cool. What about things you've seen out there? You go, damn, I wish we'd, we'd come up with that. Like, <laughs> I've always been a fan of Sidemen, what, what they're doing. Um, not necessarily in terms of one particular item, but just in, in what they've really built there. They're, man, it's got to be the, the biggest UK apparel line to come out of YouTube. Um, you know, the KSI Vicstar, the, that, that, collective that powerhouse collective um they've got something really really cool going the, the website you're really it's just really unique so that for sure that's one that i've always looked at um yeah to use nelk again man yeah. like they're 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 marketing and they're the power that they have there of like unbelievable numbers sold out in like 25 minutes you know it's like it's just it's fascinating to see what they're doing as well Awesome. And then at the other end of the spectrum, what have you seen out there that you just either cringe or, yeah, you just, like, it makes creator merch feel icky? <laughs> I kind of touched on it earlier, but the, man, the, the logo slap times the entire catalog is, is something that kind of kills me. And it, man, there's, there's so much data to show that that's not the right move you know, consumer paralysis is a real thing. Like we've all been there. I'm on a website and there's a shirt I want and I click on the shirt and I'm like, Oh, I have, I have 72 different colors to choose from for this one shirt. 
and then you end up thinking about it. It's like just a t-shirt. Like don't, you know, I don't need to be stressing over what color to choose, you know? So like, um, that's the big thing is like, just when I see something like that, it's like, I know it's not doing well, doing as well as it could. And then it's like, I don't know, like the audience kind of, the audience knows what happened. Like you touched on it. It's like, okay, they just selected everything. Like they, it doesn't feel like there was too much thought put into the product they're coming out with. It was more like, here's my logo. Boom. Like, let's get it up. Let's make some money. Instead of it being like a curated experience of like, all right, I want them to be able to have, you know, three shirts to choose from. I want them to have a plush toy. I want them to have a backpack and like creating like an actual outfit or creating an actual collection. It, that that's probably the biggest thing that kind of kind of kills me when I see it. Yeah, I like that. Hey, I want to leave you with with one last one. You know, I want to get your expert take on this one. I was, um, as everyone knows, like Mr. Beast, Jimmy's a big fan of this show, and I was checking out his merch. He, Fred, just look, don't disrespect Jimmy like that. He's our he's our mate. He's all good. Um, and he's he's got this week only. I, I don't know if you've seen it, a Mr. Beast executive producer tee or hoodie. One week only, limited edition, and um, you, the way they're really going, and I think it's genius, but I'm, I'm curious. It's like the, the marketing is like all around being the next Mr. Beast video. So you buy one of these limited edition tees or hoodies, and your name is in the credits of the next video. Um, 42 bucks for a T-shirt, 83 bucks for the hoodie, and the hoodie gets your name in bold as well. So there's a bit of a premium on that. I, like marketing genius, uh, I think... But what do you what do, what's your take on that? I did see that. I, I thought that was super cool. The obviously as long as um, you know it, it's it's kind of clear what you're getting, right? In terms of like the fan not expect like not expecting to be like actually in the video, you know. But um, yeah. as long as they know what they're getting from it, I thought that was I think it's really really cool. Um, it's just another element to like, especially during during COVID, right? Like fans want to take part in an experience and like that's a really you're you're in your name is in a mr beast video that's gonna get who knows how many how many views you know like um it's definitely something to talk about something like not only are you getting a physical product you're also getting kind of a digital product to a certain degree um so yeah i think i think it's it's super unique and i mean mr b that's and in terms of your question earlier of like who has done some cool stuff that's also really good a good example, like his charitable activities that are tied to his merchandise. Um, it, it's, he, he does some really cool things. Yeah. I think it's a cool piece of merch in itself too. Cause it's a like black logo with a cool logo and it's got executive producer written on it. So you can, you can rock around like you're the EP of, of Mr. Beast as well. So that's pretty badass. Cool. Um, Federico, I think you're going to wrap us up, right? That's all we've got time for. We, well, it is all we have time for. Okay. <laughs> Well, you normally do that. I didn't want to steal your time. I do, I, I do, but it's nice to mix it up a little. <laughs> okay. Well, Kevin Ramsey from Warren James, thanks so much for hanging out with us. It's been uh, enlightening. Uh, saved our your critique of the Creator Generation merch because I was just too, too embarrassed once Fred talked about how lovely that the mesh on the the trucker hat is that he's got compared to the plastic mesh on the head that on my hat right now so (laughs) off to do some research i think frederico um but kevin thanks so much for hanging out with us yeah thanks guys this has been awesome